Happy Thanksgiving. All right, some of you are there. All right. Hey, uh, how many of you want to be taught how to live large? You want to live large? Living rich? Let me teach that. For three easy payments of 1995, <laughs> starting today, I will teach you how to live rich and how to live large. Does that sound good? All right. You see Kenny in the back? He's got the envelope. You just put that back there. We do take credit cards, MasterCard, American Express, Diners Club, whatever you got, we'll take it. Thanksgiving special. That's right. Exactly. Hey, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about living large. And what does that look like? Living rich. And what does that look like for us? And one of the things is a follower of Jesus, kind of pulling back the curtain, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus is Jesus calls his followers to upside down living. And so that most of us in this room, we kind of look around and we think, hey, if I were to ask you, do you feel rich? Most of you would go. Am I right? You're going, yes. How many of you feel rich? Anybody? If you feel rich, raise your hand. Okay, that's good. Here's the deal. Average person, average person, if you make over $45,000 as a family, over $45,000 as a family, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Does that change your perspective? Most of us don't feel Rich, But whenever you have this moment of beginning to put things in perspective and you take the entire world, that's why everyone's telling us we are the wealthiest nation, the wealthiest people the world has ever seen and has gathered in this United States. And the ability that we have to change the world and what happens in the world is for such a time as this. And that for us as followers of Jesus, if we begin to get this idea of not just feeling rich, but understanding that God has put a lot of finances, a lot of resources, a lot of tools, a lot of we have we're the most specialized people ever. We have people that are specialized in this and specialized in that, and that we can make a dramatic impact around the world if we begin to live as followers of Christ that are upside down in the way that they live, not the way that the world lives, but with a different view and a different perspective. So this morning, that's what I want us to talk about for the next few weeks. And we're not going to talk about money, so I know some of you are like, oh, here we go, talking all about money. We're not going to be doing that. But what I want us to do as a part of that is thinking about living rich is that, hey, what does it look like for us and what is maximum amount of giving? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to kind of pull this idea of living rich straight from there and then looking at another passage. So 1 Timothy Chapter 6, look at verse 17. Command those who are rich. Now this is Paul talking to Timothy. So Timothy is a young pastor, and so Paul is mentoring him and giving him instruction. So as a part of that instruction, he's closing out the first book of um, mentoring to him. And he says, hey, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, so we're going to talk to us. Say, hey, in this room, we're going to talk about, hey, we are rich in this present world. So talking to us, not to be arrogant or not to put their hope in wealth. In other words, not to put their hope in their money, not to put their hope in the car, not to put the hope in the house. Because why? It is uncertain. But to put their hope in what? God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now here's one of the things is that God blesses us and He blesses us for our enjoyment. He gives us the things that we're able to enjoy. 
to, for life so that we can enjoy it. God's not this cosmic killjoy and He's not up there. And you've all been to Chuck E. Cheese before? Some of you are not going to claim it, but you've seen it, right? You know that they give out tokens at Chuck E. Cheese. And so at Chuck E. Cheese, one of my favorite games is where you get to bop the little moles or bop the sharks on the head. Y'all love that? So you put in your coins and you get out your frustrations. Okay, and so some of us view God that way, that God is just up there like putting coins and the bop the sharks on the head thing, and He's just waiting for us to mess up. When in reality, God the Father is blessing us and wants to bless us and wants to enjoy the blessings that He has for us, who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. And He says in verse 18, Command them to do good, to be rich, literally to live rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Why would God want us to be rich in good deeds? Why would He want us to? Because listen, everybody matters to God. Everybody matters to God. Say it with me. Everybody matters to God. Look at the person next to you, to your right. Everybody matters to God. Look to the person on your left. Even you matter to God. Some of you don't have those, okay? Listen, who matters to God? Does that mean you matter? Does that mean the person sitting next to you matters? Does that mean your coworker matters? Does that mean the student that sits next to you and that has stinky cheese for lunch matters? Yes, okay? Everybody matters. Somewhere along the way, we've been trained that some people matter more than other people. And that is not gospel. That is not biblical idea. Every single person matters. All of us matter the same. There's not the social stratus of you matter more because you have this or you have that. Everybody matters to God the same amount in the same way for the same reason. It's because you're created by God and He has a desire to have a relationship with you as His child. Everybody matters to God. And so that's why He says to us, live rich and good deeds. As followers of Jesus Christ, look at everyone that you come in contact with as someone who matters to God and that you're willing to invest. You're willing to do whatever it takes to invest in them. Okay? So everybody matters to God. In the old days, wasn't true. And in ancient history, polytheism was the worship of multiple gods. And that's what most of the world has been a part of for most of history is worship of many gods, polytheism. And if you studied the Greek gods or the Roman gods, they were some kind of crazy gods to worship. And it was all about us trying to appease them. It was all about them. They were fighting and all these different things. And so the rest of the world was living under this type of worship. And so they were doing anything they could possibly do to appease these gods. And still around the world, many places, that's the kind of worship that they have is that they are afraid of God and they're trying to appease Him. And so if you're trying to appease God and trying to earn salvation and to earn the right to be in His presence, then you will do anything you can possibly do to be in His presence. Even to the point of child sacrifice. You can look in the Old Testament and historically that people around the world and their worship to appease their gods would go even to that extreme of offering their own children for that. Now listen, this monotheism, this God of Judaism, that He's not here to create, I said, listen, everybody matters to God. I'm not here to create a, a system of worship that's based on fear, but a system of worship that's based out of love and out of relationship. In antique history, slavery was assumed. 
that at some point, each and every one of us were just one step away from becoming slaves and that we were going to be owned by someone and that you could, in just a moment, be a doctor and the next moment you could be a slave. Because this is how the world worked. And so slavery was assumed. And if slavery is assumed, then that means that you are looked upon as a potential possession. You are looked at as someone that I can own you and I can manipulate you and I can do whatever I need to do for my benefit, for my pleasure. You are my possession. And so throughout history, we see that happening. One people group would come in and they would take over people group and immediately what do they do? They take those people and make them slaves to serve them. And so that was the world of antiquities. And so here Jesus comes in and says, listen, everybody matters to God. People are not possessions. People are not to be slaves. We are everybody matters to God. Now listen, not that the Jews didn't struggle with this. Even King Solomon at the time was the richest man in the world and the most the wisest man in the world. But even in his wisdom, what did he do? He began to bring in wives, political aspirations for political ties. And every time that he brought in a wife, another God came in. So another temple came, another place to worship. And you see through the Old Testament, through King Solomon, there were over 700 places of worship for other gods other than Yahweh. And so here's the king of Israel that struggled with this idea of worship God and God alone. And the same is even true for us. We say that we come here on Sunday morning and we worship. But think about throughout the week, what are the other things that we've given homage to and we've bowed down to and that we've worshipped other than Jesus? This idea of everybody matters to God. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 is a sermon of upside-down living, of saying, listen, I know that this is what the world says. I know that this is what the teachers of the day are saying. However, what the teachers of the world are saying, but... This is what I'm saying to you. And so all throughout Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6, it's this upside down living type of idea. And for us as followers of Jesus, you hear things. You even heard teaching of, hey, this is what it means. I'm number one. Look out for number one. Get what you can get. Get what you can get. Climb the ladder. Get to the highest place. Make as much money as you can. Get to the biggest house, the biggest car. It's all about me and me alone. And here comes Jesus. Jesus says, listen, everybody matters to God. And if everybody matters to God, living rich is radically different than what you think about. Now, I want you to, to have some of those things, but I want you to begin to see that, listen, living rich means is that you are to be a blessing as you're blessed to be a blessing to those around you. This upside-down thing of grabbing and holding onto and hoarding is one of the world. And for us, what does it look like to live rich, to be in the present, to put our hope in God? Upside-down living. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. And Jesus says this, as he's talking to the crowds, there's a crowd gathered around, and including his disciples, and he says in verse 42, Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Anybody ever wanted to borrow from you, and you're like, because eh. of what they asked for, maybe? Maybe you got a new truck, and they needed to borrow that truck to help move. Ever had that? You're like, eh. You might scratch it, right? Or you're going to put too many miles on it. Right? Okay. Anybody ever ask you for your tool? You have that tool and somebody says, hey, I really need to borrow that tool. And you're like, and, and, and it's not just because it's necessarily that person. It's because it's, it's that tool that's my tool. 
And what Jesus is saying to us, this is upside down thinking, is that someone comes to you and literally you're driving the truck off the lot and they call you and say, hey, I hear you got a truck and I may put a Can I borrow it? And I may put a dent in it. And you say yes. That is upside down thinking. And Jesus says, listen, they may even total it. And you still let them borrow it. But that's to be our heart. To literally, if they ask us to walk one mile, to say, you know what? One mile is good. I'm going to walk two miles. Upside down thinking to say, listen, this is God, you've blessed me with this new thing. And maybe it's not even for me. Is that radical thinking? Is that God, that maybe you've blessed me with this house, and that this house, it's my dream house, and maybe this house is not even about me, but it's about an opportunity to be hospitable to other people so that people can meet Jesus in my living room. That that's maybe why God has blessed us. And so this upside down thinking of God, you're going to ask, someone's going to ask me to borrow something from me, and it's my, even my prized possession, and for us to be able to say, listen, if God provided it, Maybe it's not even for me. This upside down idea of living. It's scary. Listen, that's why I got, I had a truck when I moved to Colorado. Can I just pull back the curtain a little bit on my heart for a little bit? I got a truck, and in Colorado, not everybody has a truck. We laughed about it when we moved here because we drove by the high school parking lot, and there was like truck, 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 car, truck, 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 truck. You know, everybody had a truck, even the girls. And uh, even the girls, sometimes girls are even chewing. Have you ever noticed that? Girls have come out. No, I'm just kidding. They're not. And so I'm just making sure you're all are awake. And so in Colorado, not everybody has a truck. And I had a truck. And guess what? Everybody wanted to know, if Pastor Chris, if you could borrow my truck. Yes. And guess what? Every time that it came back from someone using it, something happened to it. Some every time. And God was just chiseling away. At my heart and saying, listen, this is a possession that you're so prized and you think that it's yours and it's not even yours. And so I got this cool minivan. (laughs) Seriously, cool minivan. And it didn't even have like, you know how it's supposed to have three rows? It only had like two seats in front and a row for my kids so I could stop, drop and roll them at school. And so this thing, we called it the Green Hornet. Because it was green and it barely rolled. It was nasty. I mean, it would it would spew smoke. It would do all this. I w- it got so bad I would pull up close to the school and the kids would be like, "Dad, just let us out. We're within a mile. We can walk." And uh, it's because I'm as cool as I am. I would actually crank the windows down. Y'all remember those things? I had to crank the window down and I would like play Frank Sinatra or Elvis or something so the kids would get it. But listen, sometimes we don't even realize those things that own our heart. And God's saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, listen, when someone asks to borrow something that we become like Teflon and just begin to just share it and say, listen, the very reason I may have it, yes, I've enjoyed it, but maybe it's even more enjoyable or more usable for you. That the mark of a transformed heart and a transformed church is a spirit of generosity. Of saying, you know what? It's yours. It's yours. I knew a guy... I mean, one of the first churches I served that he carried around a $100 bill in his wallet. It was his spare change that he would keep. And any time that he would hear a story of someone needing something, he would be able to pull that out and give it. And he just kept a $100 bill 
in there. What a spirit of generosity of saying, God, you are going to be requiring of me to be generous. I'm prepared to be generous in this moment. Now, most of us, we don't carry cash anymore, right? But what would it look like for us to have that heart of generosity? Jesus continues on. And he said, you've heard it said that we should love our neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, that's current world teaching. He's saying, hey, this is what the world teaches. Love your neighbor, because that's easy, and hate your enemy. Begin to, to draw the lines of who you're for and who you're against. And we live in a nation right now where we're, a lot of times we're people of doing that, that you're on this side and you're on this side. You can go on Facebook and, and quickly see a lot of times where people align, okay? And so we've created this division. And so Jesus says, listen, this is the current world teaching of creating these division lines for us. But he continues on. He says, but I tell you, do what? Love your enemies. Now, love is an action term, that it's a verb that we're to be loving on and caring for. So those people, whoever those people are for you, that we're to begin to have this idea of, listen, I need to be loving on them and caring for them and seeking out opportunities to have coffee with them, to get to know them. Because once you get to know someone, then they move from becoming an enemy to at least knowing them. They may not be the neighbor you want to live next to, but you get to know their story and maybe you get to understand how they've arrived at the place and the destination that they're at. Because you can't get from A to B without a little a road along the way. And everybody's road's a little different. So let's sit down with people at where they're at at B and begin to understand their story. But that takes action. And moving from those people to maybe everybody matters to God, so everybody is my people. There are no those people. It's everybody's my people. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is probably the last thing. We talked about this at our men's group on Friday. For most of us, this is the last thing that we turn to, is prayer. We think about how we can do this or how we can do that. We begin to strategize. We begin to the do's and the don'ts, the pros and the cons, and all these different things. And that the very last thing that we do is say, okay, God, would you stamp this? When in reality, the probably, if not the first thing we should do is say, okay, God, this is this. I'm going to move through this process. But, but Father God, I want to pray for this. And if we begin to pray for those that are persecuting us, again, how does it allow us to begin to break down our heart, begin to break down our mind and our soul and say, you know what, I'm praying for this person. And there's no way that you can continually pray for someone and continue to be an enemy of that person. You're going to want to sit down and, and get to know them and get to know their story. Again, an action for them. The result of all this... Verse 45, the why, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We say it like this, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, right? The, the apple doesn't fall far from the, all right, you're still awake. Chip off the old, okay, that if we do these things, that if we begin to, to have this generous heart, someone asks from you and, and you, you give it because you're like, hey, this is what God maybe wants me to do, you begin to look like and act like the Father, and if we begin to look and act like and, and respond as the way that the Father, the people are going to begin looking at Christ followers and saying, hey, there's something different about you guys. And so if we even look back in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 45, that the early church, the marker of the early church, the reason that people were drawn to the early church wasn't because all these cool things were happening. The cool thing that was happening was that people were generous. That there was a marked difference in their generosity. That they were literally giving the shirt off their back. When someone would ask, hey, walk a mile with me, they would walk two miles with me. 
Hey, would you help me move? Yeah, I'll help you move and I'll help your neighbor move. I'll, I'll mow your yard and your neighbor's yard. I mean, all this idea of moving past just what's asked of us, but moving even past that and saying, listen, I want to love on you as God the Father would love on you. And how much for us we've forgotten what it means to be amazed by His grace and to be loved on and comp- and understand to, to get into the depths of the evilness and the depravity and the stuff of our own hearts and to allow ourselves to, to go through the home of our heart and get into the closets and the different places and say, God, there's even still stuff that I'm holding onto that I don't want you to get into. And, and we, but then we easily close off those closets and say, but God, I don't want to be with those people or those people. And God's saying, well, maybe you're one of those people. And that the reason that we're holding off all these other people is because we're holding on to our own stuff and we're afraid that God says, hey, listen, I don't want you to be what we want. Don't want. And so we're kind of setting up parameters and boundaries that we want, don't want God to have on us. But if we're generous, so if we love our enemies and pray for those, we're like a chip off the old block. Because listen to this, right? Everybody matters to God. Look at the second part of this. He causes His... Son, like the, the physical son, to rise on who? The evil and the good. Because everybody matters. He, he doesn't just raise the sun on you and you get to, Chris gets to walk because he's good. He gets the, the sun and then so and so doesn't get, they get darkness. No. Everybody matters. So he brings the sun, his son. It's not our son, his son. He raises it and he gives it to everyone. And then the, he says, listen, I send rain on the righteous. And the unrighteous. Why? Because everybody matters to God. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Okay, who's the most horrible people you know? Don't shout it out. Used car salesman? I don't know. I'm not even going to give you, I'm not even going to give you ideas. You come up with what are the most horrible people you can think about. You got a second. You got that in your mind? Can you even show love to them? Because even the tax collectors, who were considered the most horrible people of the day, when someone showed love to them, they reciprocated. Even the most horrible people will reciprocate love given. Even those people will respond. Even those people will respond. And it is scary for us to think about what would it take for us sometimes to get to those people. But God asks us. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And if you only greet your people. Hey, we do this at church. Because we see people that we know. And we, hey, hey, it's quickly, right? But even when you go other places in town, hey, I know those people. Smacking Fest is coming up. It's going to be real easy to greet only your people. And what Jesus is saying, listen, that's easy. Who are not your people? Be intentional about who are not your people and greet them. Because why? Everybody matters. Okay, let's say it out loud. Everybody. Even us. If it's even us then who are those people? Everybody matters to God. And then finally, he says here, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
How many of you want to be perfect? Amen. We, we pursue it, don't we? We may not consciously say it, but we, we pursue it in some way. So we put out this. I think that's the beauty of Facebook is some of us, we live perfect lives on Facebook, don't we? Because none of us are taking pictures of our dirty houses. None of us are taking pictures of the stacks of dishes. None of you are walking into your kid's room going, hey, look at my kid's room. It's a wreck. None of you are taking pictures of yourself when you wake up in the morning and your hair is like, right? I mean, none of you are doing that in the middle of the night when someone snored. You're not like videoing that and saying, hey, listen, this is when I love my husband or my wife the most. No, we, we've kind of we've put up that this is what our world looks like. So we're all in pursuit of this idea of what perfection is. And here's a chance. Here's the easiest chance for us as humans and as followers of Jesus to be perfect. And that is to get this idea that everybody matters to God and be like a chip off the old block and to begin to love people just because they are and because they're before you. And that even if you give them a hug and they stink or you walk up and you get a handshake and say, we all of whoever it is, whoever those people are, I pray that we all of us begin to pray and say, listen, I pray, number one, that if I'm one of those people for someone else, that they'll cross the aisle to me. But for me to begin to say, who are my people? And then who are those people? And begin to break down those barriers. To be perfect is to find fairness and justice and compassion. It's the opportunity that we have to most look like God. Is to jump across and to say, hey, whatever you need, I want to be able to help you provide for it. It's in those moments that we look like followers of Jesus. And in those moments, we look like our Father. And it looks a little bit like salvation. Someone drives off with something and we've given it to them without the expectation that that thing that we prize, our prized possession, may never return. And if it does return, it may come back messy. It may not come back the same. But it's been used and abused and they bring it back. That's what it looks like. That's what salvation is about. This morning, if you're at a place and you're saying, hey, listen, I want to know a Jesus like that. That's, that's, our, that's why we gather. It's because everybody matters to God. And I want you to grasp that this Jesus guy that we're talking about flips your world upside down. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, thank you that all of us matter. Well, I know some days we wake up individually and we wake up and wonder and struggle with even our own sense of worth and value, whether we matter or not. So, Father, I just pray that if that's where people are at in this room this morning, that they would, they would hear from you that you love them and you adore them and you created them, created them unique and one of a kind and you don't make junk and so we matter. So Father, also I pray that as we begin to, to think about this idea of who are those people in my life, that we grasp this idea that there are no those people, that everyone should be my people. Because they're all your people. Because they all matter to you. 
Father, that you would grow within each one of us a, a heart of generosity and a heart of, Father, that you've blessed us and you've blessed us with so much. How can I bless others and give to others with the expectation of nothing in return? It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.